this is this is what I <laughs> I'm laughing now. This get is a, get so on your high horse, no, Neil. No, you, I like I your, I I like your oh, high God. horses. Come on, so, get on it. Hey everyone, it's David Bombal. Really excited about this. Back with Neil Bridges. Neil, it's wow. been a year since we met, man. Wow. So, <laughs> so I think it, we, we, we need to talk about that. You know, it, how did we meet? It's been a year. It has been a year. I cannot even believe that yep. literally a year ago, Richard came to me and said, do you know David Bombal? And I said, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> I, felt, I felt really bad. I had no idea no. who you were. Um, and, That's and okay. He was like, he was like, uh, David's you know done some courses for us in the past you did some cisco courses i guess for for ine in the past yeah like one course yeah like yeah. one course yeah you know he was really impressed with you and i was like yeah I'd, I'd love to meet the guy and i remember you and i getting on the conversation that first time and we just we hit it off just like that yeah. and it was yeah. just it, i could just tell that there was just like instant chemistry of us being able to just sit down and and chat with each other and um i don't even remember what we were trying to talk about during that conversation but i, I know the next day you called me up and you were like hey you know i and e aside because i wasn't working for i and e at the time i and e aside do you want to do a video together and i was like yeah, duh. I'd love to do a video with you. Um, I was so impressed with the quality of your production. I was so impressed with with just the the conversation we had that I was I was Thanks. humbled. I was incredibly humbled that you'd asked to do a video with me. I thought it was awesome. I don't know what your impression was. <laughs> no, no, it was great. I mean, because I remember um, at that time I was looking to give advice for people entering cyber because I got all these questions. And I wanted to find someone, and you met all the criteria, you know, someone who's very experienced, someone who can, you know, give a very clear roadmap. And we created that first video about a year ago. Um, I remember it was hilarious because we met on the, I think it was a Tuesday evening, my yeah. time. Yeah. Then I sent you some messages or something, we communicated. And then on the Wednesday, we had an interview. And then on the Thursday, we published that first video. Um, it was great. It, um, it was. And, and I think that you mentioned the, the helping people. And, and I think that that's something that you and I share in common, right? Is that yeah. we, we have a mission to try to bring as much visibility and education and awareness about topics to everybody that we can. I, I have got to say that, that INE has never, ever paid you a dime. Yeah. But the fact that you have allowed me to come on this show on your stream, on your, your YouTube channel multiple times, you know, allowed me to talk about not just myself, my career, you know, what I've got going on at work. This was before I was at INE. When I've been at INE, I, I couldn't even be more grateful to you just because we share this common goal of trying to make people smarter and give them as much education as possible. And listen, it's been a year. I can't wait to do more <laughs> with you in 22. I'm looking forward um, to it. I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart that you've been a really great friend and a, a really great, you know, partner and collaborator, you know, for the, you know, for the last year. And I can't wait to do more stuff with you this year. Yeah, I mean, it's been great, Neil. I mean, from my point of view, it's, it's so hard to find someone who can articulate and is very knowledgeable and knows what to do to help so many people. And I know you've you've spoken to a lot of people individually. You have a YouTube channel and I'll link that below for, for those of you who want to get a lot more information from Neil. It's been fantastic, you know, just to try and extract your knowledge 
to help people who are starting out. And I will, I will put a disclaimer. I did create a course, as we mentioned, for INE, so I have received payment from INE for that course in royalty payments. But yeah, it's important to say that INE have never paid me for any mm. advertising. These videos are just you and I trying to help people. Absolutely. So let's get to it. Yeah, let's do it. What, what knowledge would you like to extract today, <laughs> yeah. David? Yeah, we need to we need to get comments below. What do you want me to ask Neil in 2022? <laughs> but for me, you know, beginning of 2022 now, in the beginning of 2021, mm -hmm. I asked you, Neil, what's a roadmap? And you yeah. articulated that really well. So I've interviewed John Hammond, and he kind of like surprised me with his sort of take on what people should do. But I want to get your opinion. Have you changed your opinion since last year, or can you give us Neil three things, or you know whatever it's going to be this time? What should uh, I do if I want to get into cyber? It's hard to it's hard to tell if they've changed or not. This year's been an interesting year, and and we've now been on the the second side of the the COVID argument, right? At year two yeah. of the COVID argument. Um, would I say that my opinions have changed? Um, maybe a little bit, but maybe they may be may just be different takes on the same ideas. Let, let's talk yeah. about it, right? So let's get to the brass tacks, right? Three things that that if you want to be in cybersecurity that I think you need to do in 2022. If you didn't do them in 21, you can carry over and do them in 22. If you're hearing this video for the first time, you can do them again in 22, right? So first and foremost, networking, right? I have seen so many people in the last year since you and I did, since you and I literally out of thin air created the thousand connect challenge yeah um thousand meaningful connect challenge i've seen so many people become so incredibly successful by doing the thousand connect meaningful challenge so much so that i put a video together that actually articulated steps to do to make meaningful connections and i want to harp on that because Apparently, there's some people out there that got the wrong impression that thought that we were just chasing numbers with that Thousand Connect Challenge. And it's always been about finding meaningful connections in a space that you want to be employed in um, and, and becoming friends with them, making, making them, you know, making those connections meaningful as you participating in this journey towards cybersecurity. And so my number one thing, and I believe that more now in the last year that we've got a year's worth of experimentation under our belt since we talked about this last year, yeah. networking. And I mean, you know, using LinkedIn to your advantage to work the system to get you into this career field. I think the the second thing, right, that I would talk about that if you want to get into cybersecurity is do the free stuff first. Yeah. There is so much free cybersecurity training that is out there. I think one of the things that as I as I harp on it more and more throughout the the year when when I talk about it is there there are people who are like, "Neil, do I have to have this cert? Do I have to have this course? I don't have the money to pay for this. Can you give me a free Try Hack Me voucher? Can you give me a free INE Premium Pass? Can you give me free this? Can you give me free that? They want to ask you for the, the stuff that's paid for. They want to ask you that for free, but they haven't exactly gone out there and done the free training that is available out there, whether that's INE Starter Pass, whether that's watching YouTube videos um, on you know different types of tools and techniques, whether that's you know taking you know watching for all the giveaways that you do, all the giveaways that I do, all the giveaways that everybody else does that's out there that's a content creator, whether it's looking for that, they're not actually going out there and looking for or actively participating in that free stuff. And so my second thing is, if you want to get a career in cybersecurity, you need to be out there taking the free stuff. There's so much free training out there. There's no reason not to do it. I, I think the third thing um, I would still say... Um, Oh, this is a tough one because now, now, like I had that third thing in my mind, and then like another one rushed in and said, "But wait, Neil, wait, Neil, I want to be third. I want to be third. We can do, we can do <laughs> four. It doesn't matter. You can expand it." <laughs> um, 
you know, I'll, I'll stick with my third one. I think my third one is still getting the hands-on stuff. Now, yeah. I, my definition of hands-on has changed slightly. And this is a video that I wanted to do. Um, I'll, I'll kind of give a preview for it here on, on, on your show um, and kind of talk through it. But um, I talked last year, I think, about getting your hands on stuff with the Try Hack Me, the, the Hack the Box, the Range Force, all the different types of programs that are out there with getting your, your hands on the tools, the tactics, the te techniques, the procedures that um, come along with cybersecurity, whether it's red team, blue team, whatever the case is. A question that I get asked frequently on my stream talks about getting the hands-on experience. And I actually demonstrated to folks on my stream one time how easy it was to go to bug bounty platforms like Bug Crowd, like HackerOne, and actually sign up to be um, a security researcher or bug bounty hunter for those platforms. Um, and they're like, well, Neil, I'm never gonna get paid because I'm never gonna find a bug. And I had to remind people, I'm like, but you're pen testing real organizations. You go to HackerOne, you're pen testing real companies. Just like any other pen tester, you may not find a bug. You may not find a vulnerability. That just makes that pen test an unpaid pen test. Yeah. But there are ways that we can hack the LinkedIn system so that you as a security researcher can put your bug bounty experience on there to show that you do have experience, actual real world working experience doing penetration testing that doesn't require you to you know, whether you're a fresher or whether you're an entry-level person, whatever the case is, doesn't require you to get that first job that requires two to three years of experience from those really terrible um, job postings that we see. And so I think that that, if you're looking for, if you're looking for three, I think that those are three things that anybody out there in the world, if you, if you call yourself a hacker, if you want to be a hacker, if you want to be in cybersecurity, those are three things that whether you're red team, blue team, you can do those three things today. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till the next giveaway. You don't have to wait till David's next video or my next live stream. You don't have to wait for anything. You could literally do those things today, and that is the easiest, cheapest, most effective way to get started in cybersecurity. EJPT from INE. Mm -hmm. um, some people have said that's not free anymore. Is is that true or is it still free, the, the Starter Pass? So so Starter Pass is still free. Starter Pass is still free. Um, EJPT, which is the certification that comes from Pentester Student. So Pentester Student is the content that's free in the Starter Pass. The EJPT is the certification that you get once you take the PTS that is not free. That is $200 as of now. But the content that you need to take is free. Now, before you go on to that, I want to make I make that <laughs> distinguish. I make that distinguishing point because one of the concepts that I struggle with, right, is this concept of certifications. If I learn something today and I take a cert tomorrow, I think it is highly unfair and inaccurate to say you didn't gain that knowledge because you didn't pass the cert. A cert is a trophy, fits on a trophy case, and it should be something that helps give you validation, whether that's to yourself or to an employee, that you gained that knowledge. But that doesn't mean you didn't gain that knowledge. Some people can't take tests. Some people get test anxiety. I, for one, was a terrible test taker coming up through school. And so there's a there's a misconception that I think when I talk to people about this. It's like, well, Neil, I still have to pay for the EJPT. Yeah, but you can get the knowledge for free. And so one of the things that I like to remind people is you should chase knowledge, not certs. 
if you chase knowledge, you will find a job. You will get into this career space. You will be meaningful as a content creator or as a contributor to this community by gaining knowledge. The same can't be said for chasing the cert. Yeah, I mean, the problem with a cert is, I mean, I, we, anyone who's done an exam at any point in their lives knows that once you've done that, you often start forgetting things very, very quickly yeah. once you get that cert. So, okay, so you've got the starter pass on INE. That's a good place to start, is that right? So if I was starting and I had zero knowledge, would you recommend I go there or do I need to get something before I go there? Um, maybe I, I might find the uh, the security path on INE starter path difficult. Is there something else that can help me with like basic knowledge or, or what would you suggest? So so there is some basic knowledge on the starter pass. So when we when when we built starter pass, right, we built starter pass um, with the idea that if you wanted to get into IT in general, you could go to the starter pass and you could play around with the different concepts that um, INE teaches, right? So we have networking curriculum, which you've been a part of. We've got cyber curriculum now. We've got cloud curriculum. Uh, we've made some strategic acquisitions on the cloud side. We're about to release our first cloud certification for that. We got a huge drop that's going to happen in January. Everybody's going to be excited for that one. We've got data science that we're delving into to development programming, right? Um, and so the idea behind Starter Pass is that you can kind of go and you can play with these these topics, these intro, I don't want to call them entry level topics, but these topics that are kind of at that foundational level um, yeah. of the content to kind of see where you're at, what you need to learn. Is this a topic that you're interested in? And by the way, is INE a platform that you can choose to learn that topic from? And so what I'd say is that if you go to Starter Pass, you're going to get some networking basics. You're going to get some programming basics. You're going to get some cybersecurity based basics via the Pentester student. You're going to get some uh, some cloud basics. And, and the idea behind that is you can kind of test out the instructors, you could test out the content, you could test out what you do and don't know, and then you can kind of progress from there. To answer your question more specifically, I struggle with the, is there something I should take before I go to the starter pass? And my style of learning may not be different than your audience's style of learning, so I'm going to explain this from my perspective when I think about my style of learning, right? Yep. Yep. Um, I very much believe that I need to dive into something and figure out what I don't know yeah, so that I know one. where to go from there, right? So yeah. recently, um, I started to move a lot of my honeypot infrastructure, a lot of my web infrastructure out of DigitalOcean and over into uh, AWS. And this is not a plug for DigitalOcean or AWS. This was, I've been preaching cloud for well over a year now, um, you know, on my shows. And I decided that I needed to eat my own dog food and start putting a lot of my infrastructure <laughs> on cloud. Yep. And so I pulled my stuff over to AWS. I knew nothing. I didn't go take a course. I didn't take ACP. I didn't go take Amazon's um, you know, architecture class or anything like that. I just said, I'm just going to start building my infrastructure in Amazon the same way I would try to build it in DigitalOcean. And I would see where the path took me, and I would try to solve the challenges as the path took me there. And so the biggest, I say that to give a comparison to students that when they ask me, should I take something before I go take EJPT or, or pen testing student? The answer is no. No. Because from my perspective, you should go take what you're interested in at some level. Yeah. That way you can start to figure out what you don't know. And then you can then reverse engineer what you don't know and go find the content that, that helps you fill in those knowledge gaps. Like I don't think A+, SEC+, Net+, I don't think those are good entry-level certs, right? Because I don't, yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily think that you, by default need to take that cert to be good for cybersecurity. I think you should go do pen test or student. And if you don't know anything about TCP IP, 
then you should go take the millions of free videos. They should go take your videos, David, right? And There's learn about TCPIP. Yeah, and, and learn about TCPIP from that, right? But I don't think you should in, invariably assume that nobody knows anything about TCPIP because what you may learn in ICD1, I don't know what it's called now, but CCMA, you, yeah. CCMA. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, you may not need all of that information to be in cybersecurity, regardless of what job you take. So that's interesting. So you saying, like if I starting today, I'm gonna go register for the startup pass, take the cybersecurity course that's free on INE, that will quickly tell me where I need to spend more time learning stuff. Like if I'm asked to configure an IP address and I don't know what that is, then I need to go and do Network Plus or something else. If I'm asked to type commands in Linux and I have no idea what I'm doing, then I need to go and get like Network Chucks and Linux course on YouTube or go and watch free uh, Linux videos somewhere. Um, yeah. learn a bit about Linux. So you saying use that as sort of a measuring stick of my knowledge and then from there dive into something else, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I'd, and I'd remind everybody, right? You know, it, most people who want to jump into cybersecurity want to be hackers. Hackers yeah. love to solve problems. Like that's the whole reason that the term was coined. That's the whole reason that, you know, this entire movement about the critical thinking and the, the solving the challenges, um, you know, has played out over the years. But most people don't want to solve their own challenge of learning. What they want is they want somebody to give them a roadmap. Yep. And while I'm all about giving you a roadmap for your career, there is a piece of the mental puzzle that we have to unlock together um, to get you there. And so what I think is INE Starter Pass is that mental, you know, critical thinking unlock, uh, unlocking mechanism, super magical unlocking mechanism, if you will, whereby um, go and take a piece of content and map. Right, and you're asked to put in an IP address, and you're like, "Well, it's 192.168.1.1. I don't know what that IP address is. I don't know anything about IP addresses. I should go find a course on IP addresses." And then you go to YouTube and you take the free stuff on IP addresses, or you go over to INE, you take network, uh, you know, the network um, stuff that's in the Star Pass on INE, or you go to Network Chuck, or you go to David Bomble, or you go insert any creator here where they've got free content available to teach you about IP addresses because IP addresses have been around for. Older than you and I, David, right? <laughs> exactly. And we're <laughs> and, old. And yeah. we're very old. Yeah. And so it's like there's there's no shortage of free information about that stuff that's out there. And so why pay somebody for that type of knowledge when it's free? Come back. Now you know IP addresses. Let's go do uh let's go do Metasploit. Ah, you don't know the basics of Metasploit, you don't know, you know, the fundamentals of Metasploit, so you can't do that particular exercise. In, uh, in in Pentester student, cool. Go watch the plethora of free Metasploit videos because there's this is this is what I <laughs> I'm laughing now. This get, is a, get on your high horse, no, Neil. No, you, I, I like your I, I like your oh, high God. horses. Come on, so, get on it. People like to believe, right, that if I take a Metasploit class from I and E or I take a Metasploit class from CBT Nuggets, or and this is not me bashing or promoting any other you know training vendor that's out there, whatever, that I'm going to learn something so special and so unique. And I have to remind people that Metasploit has been around for over a decade now. Yeah, There are so many free Metasploit videos that talk about almost every possible thing that you can do inside of Metasploit. And I, got, I, got to, I got to interrupt you right now because you've always, there's a new content creator that, there's a, that I respect and a lot, of, a lot of us respect that's just joined your team. Uh, can mm. you tell us about him? And and shout out to his channel as well. Uh yeah, Alexi, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, Alexi Ahmed um, uh, runs Hackersploit. We were obviously trying to, we we're making a huge investment on um, on the instructor cadre, um, red team instructors particularly. You know, we reached out to Alexi. Um, he showed some interest in uh, wanted to come and join the INE team. After chatting with him, his vision and views and desires aligned very very much with uh, with with ours. Um, he's a brilliant content creator, and yeah, absolutely. When when we got you know to the to the brass tacks of it, we we brought Alexis over, and um, I have to say that it's been absolutely amazing to have him on as a content creator, and and it's it's always awesome to work with content creators that are passionate about creating content, but also share your view about learning. And and he just got done recording probably about, uh, I think it's eight to 12 hours worth of Metasploit content alone yeah. for the new, for the brand new version of Pentester Student that's gonna be coming out soon. And, and while I'm not gonna say that you're not gonna find that content anywhere else, if you like his style, if you like the way he explains things, if you want to see how he has used it in Real War Pentest, sprinkle in some of um, Josh Mason's influence, um, you know, my own influence and things like that, um, then I think that that's the reason why you would go take courses from a content creator like that is because you like their style, you like the knowledge that's in their head, you want to see that knowledge put out onto some content that you can digest. But I'm not going to say that, like, you know, you're going to learn how to use, you know, some super elite sauce secret narrative that, you know, Easter egg of Metasploit that is only uncoverable through this video. Um, and I think anybody who tells you that, I think that that's the sign of content that might be blown out of proportion. Yeah, so I mean, he's got so many videos on his channel anyway. So I'll link that below as well. Yeah. Go and have a look at his videos as well. There's there's a lot of free stuff out there. So your advice, free content. Uh, the good thing about Starter Pass is it gives you kind of like a, a, a structured path rather than just random YouTube videos. Yeah. And you can jump off that to topics yeah. that you're not sure about. Neil, it's very surprising because you last time made a big or put a big emphasis on like um, hack the box, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And now you kind of like, not, I'm not saying downplaying that, but you like not emphasizing it as much. Um, why is that? I think that there's still value in the hands-on training. Absolutely, 100%. I think that, that, that I, I think in this day and age, you can't be marketable without hands-on experience. So capture the flags, yeah? Yeah, capture the flags, try hack me, hack the boxes, things like that. I think what I've what I've realized over the last year is that um, you know, there is a there is a next level that we can take that hands-on piece to. Yeah. And um, that's why I've been an advocate for um, people going to HackerOne and Bug Crown and signing up and being, you know, bug bounty hunters or researchers there. I've given I've given, you know, talks on my stream about gig work via some of the big four consulting companies that are out there. And I think that that I've taken the the hands-on experience piece of it. I think everybody's gotten the message of it last year. I think you and I succeeded. High five. We succeeded <laughs> in telling everybody that that try hack me hack the box hands-on stuff is incredibly important. For 22, if I were to to enhance that message, I think the enhanced message is there are opportunities for you to find unpaid work out there, gig work out there that I do think gets you experience when you figure out how to hack the system. So in other words, you do you still do capture the flags, yeah. but you don't just stop there. You go and do bug bounty. You basically provide services. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you get paid for some of that, but if you're just starting out, you, uh, you're not gonna resign your job. You're gonna use do this part-time and that's how you're gonna get experience. So that whole thing that we've said before, this um, chicken and egg thing, how do yeah. I get experience without experience? This is sort of a way to get proper real world experience without having to go through a gatekeeper to get that experience. Is that right? 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that the hands-on stuff to hack the box and try hack me. I still am an advocate for that. And I still am an advocate for putting that on your resume. And I'm still an advocate for calling that experience. As a matter of fact, if that works for you and that's the level of commitment that you commit to, totally approve. But I think if we're looking for like, you know, we talk about threes, right? Neil's, what's Neil's threes for this, Neil's threes for that. There's a good, better, best. I yeah. think we taught everybody last year that this was good. If you did try hack me, hack the box, that was good. I think what I think I'd like for 22 to be for you and I, David, is to talk about some of the better and the best ways. And I think a better way is you need to start putting yourself out there for some of these, you know, and again, I'm not an advocate for unpaid labor. This is not Neil shilling out that you know you should take unpaid internships, right? But sometimes, you know, there are sacrifices that need to be made. And if you really want to solve that that experience problem, there are opportunities out there for you to solve that experience problem. Hopefully you get paid, but if not, I wouldn't turn a, I wouldn't turn my nose up at him. I, I've elaborated a little bit more on my definition of experience, especially on the red team side. This is a little bit harder to do on the blue team side, but on the red team side, for folks who are trying to get into pen testing, it, it did amaze me the more I answered this question over the last year, the more I realized that people just weren't aware that their definition of experience might be slightly skewed versus how to manipulate the system to recognize that experience. And and I and I say that I say that very intently, right? Because we talk we love to be hackers. We all want to be hackers, but we're afraid to hack the system, right? My yeah. my 1000 connect challenge is a way to hack the system. I you know, I do that, you know, very intently. I think this I think signing up for bug bounty programs like Bug Crowd and Hacker One where you can immediately gain access to pen testing opportunities, you know, under the guise of doing the bug bounties for a company like Bug Crowd and Hacker One as long as you're following the rules that are laid out, and, you know, the scope that's been provided for you in those platforms. I'm not advocating for doing anything out of scope. Um, but that that is effectively a structured apprenticeship in doing unpaid web application penetration testing by doing those bug bounty programs. And again, back to free resources, there are tons of free resources out there that teach you how to run certain automations, look for certain API vulnerabilities, look for certain web vulnerabilities. And and I speak especially to the pen testers that that you know are trying to to fight that experience side because I I do think it's harder for pen testers um, than it is for for blue teamers and I'll kind of expand upon that one here in a little bit. You know, and and so I I I, I found it surprising how few of people could think outside of that box and start to pursue that bug bounty stuff. I do think that the bug bounty stuff is still valuable for blue teamers because I do believe that blue teamers benefit from having the education of the adversary, of the red team, of the of the attackers. And so I do think that if you're if you're not sure where you want to go, if you're definitively sure you know you want to do pen testing or red teaming, if you think you want to go blue teaming, I would still advise that route because it's good to have that knowledge of those adversaries when you go into that blue team job. There's a few things I wanted to ask you and we, yeah. I'll put a menu below, below so people can jump to the specific topics. I wanted, last year I asked you, and I want to ask these kind of important questions again, is it necessary for me to give up my job and try and study full time to break into this field? Absolutely or can I do not. it part time? Yeah. You can absolutely do it part time. And I mean these bug party programs are part time, is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's you know, I would never ever advocate for somebody to quit their job to pursue a new career in cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is hard. There's a supply and demand issue in certain career fields in cybersecurity. I speak frequently about the supply and demand issue on the pen testing side, right? There is more supply of pen testers than there is demand at most companies for pen testers. Like it or not, that is just the reality of it. In the, in the hierarchy of cybersecurity defense, 
pen testing represents such a small actual practicum of the overall enterprise cybersecurity defense model. Like it or not, that's the way reality is. And so, and so I think that that if you're trying, if you really have your heart set on doing the red teaming stuff, you should absolutely not quit because you've got a you've got a higher mountain to climb than folks on the blue teaming side. Um, blue teaming, GRC, anything else that's not you know basically pen testing, you've got a higher mountain to climb. And so I don't think that you should you should quit at all. I think all the things that I recommend are all things that you can do in your own time. And and I think that that's a I want to kind of make a mention of that, right? People are talking about like, well, you should be doing that anyway. Cybersecurity is the the type of career field where oh, I hear this all the time. You know, it's a, it's a passion thing. You should do it 24 by 7 because you love to do it. You should, and, and if you extrapolate that, it's like you should burn yourself out because you love to do it. You should neglect your family because you love to do it. Cybersecurity is ever-changing and the adversary is always going to be one step ahead of you. So you should therefore adopt all of these unhealthy tactics right, as a personal life perspective, so that you can be the best of the best of the best of the best of the best uh, in cybersecurity. And that's a, that is a toxic mentality in our industry that I do not subscribe to and I do not think is, is the key to success. Have I done that? Yes. Do I think it makes me more successful? Absolutely not, which is why I'm an advocate for it. I think that that's how we lead to some of the toxic personalities that we have in, inside of cybersecurity. So just quickly explain red versus blue. Yeah. Where are the jobs and why are the jobs there? So, so the color wheel ha has expanded in the last couple of years, and and yeah. and I'm not even going to be the first to to go through the entire Roy G. Biv color scale of cybersecurity. So, I'm just going to really talk about kind of like the the ones that you'll hear most frequently, right? So, red red teaming is the one that almost everybody's very very familiar with, which is pen testing, red teaming. It's basically the art of um, impersonating an adversary to test the security controls of an organization. Now, I want to make that distinction incredibly clear. It is impersonating the adversary to test the security controls. Most of your adversaries aren't doing what most other pen testing courses are teaching you. There isn't an adversary emulation out there where denial of service is the top of the pyramid of the threat vector. It just, it's not, it's reality. And so when people are looking to evaluate content, make sure they're evaluating content that is based on real world pen testing examples and real world pen testing scenarios and not based off of, hey, I saw this cool thing on YouTube or Reddit and I did it, but it has no practical use in a red team engagement whatsoever. Blue teaming is the art of basically cyber defense incident response. When we think about blue teamers, we frequently think about these are the soldiers on the front line of cyber defense day in and day out in an organization. These are your incident responders, your threat hunters, your SOC analysts, right? These are the folks who are actively trying to find the bad guy that is attacking organizations every day. I didn't realize the value of blue teaming, and I'll say this openly, right? I spent my entire career on, on the red side, on the offensive side, right? All the way through my military years. I wasn't in charge of my first blue team until I built a security operations team for a Fortune 100 company. That was when I truly learned the value of what it's like to command soldiers that are on the front lines of battle every single day. And so mad respect goes out to the blue teamers. And I would argue yeah. that when you look at just those two categories, there are more jobs still to this day in the blue team side of things. 
and and this is what I talk about with supply and demand. When we talk about those those that mystical 3.3 million open jobs across the globe, those are not 3.3 million red teamers. And I think that that's what some people read when they see that headline. They're like, ah, 3.3 million? I'm going to go do red teaming because there are 3.3 million jobs waiting for me. That's such a small, small view of cybersecurity is to think that red teaming is the only thing that it means to be in cybersecurity. There are 3.3 million open jobs across the globe, but that is spread out across blue team, red team, risk and governance, threat hunting, um, creating policy, IT and cyber audit, right? It's mm -hmm. all the things that, that, that go into defending an enterprise where red teaming and pen testing is such a small niche. And so I would encourage folks that are looking to get into cybersecurity to consider that. If you're truly passionate about hacking, go forth and be awesome. But you need to consider, just like when you hack a network, that may you may have to get into a, a, a secretary's machine so that you can eventually get to domain admin. You're going to have to do that with a job market too. We had an awesome guest on the stream this last year. Um, he's he's agreed to come back quarterly. His name's Joel Fulton. He's the yeah. um, he's the former CISO of Splunk. He now runs a company called Lucidum. Fantastic individual. He's got an amazing perspective on cybersecurity. Highly recommend consuming as much of his content as possible. He brought in this concept to our community called garbage jobs. Yeah. And for lack of a better explanation, garbage jobs are the jobs that you don't want to do in cybersecurity, right? Regardless of where your heart stands, they're the jobs that you don't want to do in cybersecurity. Let's say you want to get into pen testing. And again, I go back to my supply and demand issue. There is more supply of pen testers than there is demand. You might have to go take a job that you don't want, aka a garbage job, so that you can get into an organization and get networked, back to point number one that I made when you asked me my top three, you may have to get networked with fo folks in the cybersecurity team so that you can eventually move over and do pen testing. And so you have to think like a hacker, which is that you may not be able to go directly after the domain controller right up front. Maybe you have to go into a couple other boxes and pivot your way around into that. And it's amazing how people forget that mentality when they're thinking about their careers but they love to think about that mentality when they're thinking about how to pen test the network. I think it's a valid point. I mean, you've said that there's there's oversupply of red teamers. So the competition is a lot harder. And if you're just starting, you're making your life even harder trying to go for that. But if it's your passion, you know, it's like you and I, Neil, the very first job we did in our lives was definitely not what we're doing today. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> um, but okay, so what's the first kind of jobs would you think I should look for? I, if if I'm, I'm brand new to this field, perhaps I've gone through some content, I've done a bit of hack the box, try hack me, stuff like that. What kind of stuff do you think I'd look for? I should look for? I think the easiest roles when you're looking at um, when you're looking at at jobs on LinkedIn or or Indeed or whatever job board it is that you're looking at, I think the easiest places to find cybersecurity roles are in the SOC analyst, incident response, the blue team side of things. Um, those are where there is the, regrettably, I don't say this with any level of pride, there is the highest rate of burnout on the incident response of the SOC analyst team. Being on the front lines has its disadvantages. It's a very stressful type of job, but it is a fantastic place. You're going to see more about cybersecurity holistically your first year as a SOC analyst than I think that you'll you know, see in five years as a pen tester, in my personal opinion, right? You'll see so much more about security as a SOC analyst. Um, you'll have a greater appreciation for what happens in an enterprise when you go to do enterprise level cybersecurity. Um, I think, you know, if we talk about 
what I would consider garbage jobs. I'm definitely not speaking for, for anything else. I'm just saying what, what Neil thinks is a garbage job. Um, anything that's an IT audit, like as an auditor, anything that's like a GRC analyst, governance, risk, and compliance analyst, um, anything that is, you know, quality, you know, anything that's on the softer side of things, I think would be fantastic first jobs for folks who are looking to get their foot in the door with the cybersecurity shops on their resume and then eventually pivot into the roles that they want to pivot into. So, I mean, when we spoke earlier, you said blue, red, and? Yeah, so so purple, purple teaming is another concept that's, that I wouldn't say is new, but it's starting to emerge more and more in conversations. And that is um, kind of this joining of forces between red and blue. Yeah. Um, there's green teaming, there is, um, there's yellow teaming, um, there's, again, they, they really have expanded the color wheel. One of my content creators, um, you know, on my team, um, actually did a video that talked about the colors, um, and has, has put that out there. I'll see if I can provide that, that content for you. So you can, you can link to that if you want to, but that'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, but there's red and blue. It's the, 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 the two big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Red and blue is all we ever seem to talk about, but there are, yeah. there are definitely more colors out there that really encompass all the different aspects of, um, of cybersecurity. You're always a big advocate of LinkedIn, and you spoke about the Thousand Connect challenge, and that I think kind of kind of started when you and I first met and we were talking. Can you give some tips about networking? And you know, LinkedIn is a place. What about Twitter? What kind of tips would you give someone? I mean, I know for some people who have watched the previous video, some of this is repeated, but um, I want to make sure that everything's up to date. So yeah. you know, based on the last year, what what are your feelings? Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair, right? And and yeah, folks who watched this last year, this is be stuff that we talked about last year. But um, I, I've definitely I, I've learned better ways to communicate this message over the last year. For for those who yeah. who aren't aware, we now do monthly resume and LinkedIn reviews um, uh, for the community. I've created um, with the help of two people from our community an actual rubric. Um, I can give you the link to that as well. But there's yeah, an actual right. rubric on cyberinsecurity.tv where you can actually go and self-assess both your resume and your LinkedIn based on the criteria that um, not just myself, but I've worked closely with recruiting friends of mine to determine what makes a good, better, best version of your LinkedIn profile and your resume. And so in the last year, for those who heard this speech last year, you know, I was really just kind of spitballing with David about what I thought made a good LinkedIn profile, what I thought made a good resume profile. In the last year, not only have we matured that, but we've created a model that is repeatable um, and given it back out to the community so you all can self-assess your own LinkedIn profile as well as your own resume if you want. So I'll give you that those resources. When you when you look at the criteria that we've put together for your LinkedIn profile, and, and I've got an entire branding video for hacking your LinkedIn, where it talks about the idea of personally branding yourself. And I remind people, like I've had people come into my DMs and they're like, Neil, don't you find it terrible that we as hackers are supposed to be, you know, in the shadows and in the basements and with our hoodies on and everything else? Why on earth would we ever, ever, ever have a social media? Exactly. Oh no! <laughs> and, and, I, and I have to remind people, I'm like, well, you want a job, don't you? Yep. And they're like, well, yeah, I want a job. And I'm like, where do you think most recruiters are? I think I found a statistic when I did my Thousand Connect Challenge video that 80% of recruiters find candidates via LinkedIn. I mean, so you're going to make yourself invisible from 80% of the recruiting workforce in cybersecurity. That's a fantastic strategy to get you a job. I mean, I think this is the the, the disconnect perhaps between video, a movie, should I say, yeah. um, versus reality. And we're not advocating like hacking into companies. We are advocating pen testing, yeah. uh, red teaming. Um, so you want a job. <laughs> you want to be paid to do this stuff. 
I mean, that's that's the whole point. There was some, you know, some people were saying this the thousand connect challenge thing is 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 not a good idea. But you you kind of clarified it in your video. You was you you specifically said meaningful challenge, uh, meaningful connections. Yeah. So can you explain how do I get a meaningful connection? What does that mean? Absolutely. Um, and and I want to and, and I want to say that that I think this is what we meant last year when we said this. We yeah. said we, we we meant meaningful connections. I didn't realize I, I, bad on me for for assuming that the internet would take anything that we say and immediately think the most positive of it. I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> out there. But yes, meaningful connections is what we've always meant by that. Right? It's not a number. You shouldn't be racing to a thousand. It's not who can get there the fastest. As a matter of fact, I think when David and I did it last year, we said you've got a year to do it. Take the year to make meaningful connections. But when we talk about making meaningful connections, um, and I outlined this in my video, there are three things that you can do to um, really decide what it is makes a meaningful connection. Find companies that you want to work for. I'm sure we've all got companies where it's like, God, I'd love to work for Apple. I'd love to work for Google, right? I'd love to work for Cisco, right? I'd love to work for some company. Find companies that you want to work for. Find people in those companies that you admire, right? And so th just using those two rules right there, you can find Apple and you can find the CISO. You can find the head of security operations. You can find the head of malware development. You can find the head of pen testing. You can find the head of incident response. You can find all these people all the way from the CISO all the way down to the tactical level that you can make connections with. And these connections... Hopefully these people have content if they're producing content for LinkedIn and that gives you an idea of what their day-to-day -day life is like. That gives you an idea of what they're watching on the news. When they like something, LinkedIn's going to tell you and then you're going to be like, okay, good. The head of incident response at Apple loved this article. Maybe I should read it. Maybe there's something interesting for me to understand and gleam from knowing the same thing that the head of incident response at Apple knows, right? Yeah. Okay, so you follow a pen tester. Pick one of your, your I'll pick my I'll pick my mentor when um, when I started teaching for SANS, um, Bryce Galbraith, right? Fantastic hacker, fantastic pen tester, one of the OGs in, in this space, right? You know, if, if I'm following Bryce and Bryce makes a post about a vulnerability, Right, or if he makes a post about a piece of code that he puts up on GitHub, or if he makes a post about, um, you know, insert topic here, right? That should be a key in my mind that I should go consume that content because it's probably beneficial to my knowledge, especially if I'm emulating them. So find companies, find people um, that you're, um, um, you know, that you're interested in being with or emulating or working for, and things like that. And then the third thing that 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 I talk about when you're looking for meaningful connections is find other people in the industry that you admire because they produce content, right? Because they produce meaningful content and make connections with them because if they're producing content and you admire their content, then you should probably be in tune with their professional, you know, acumen so that you can then follow and adhere to their professional acumen as well. And so, you know, using that formula of three, I think it's real easy for you to scour LinkedIn and find people that you genuinely want to convey the message to. Now, on the same video that I do, and this is, I think this is what was lost on people when we talked about the Thousand Connect Challenge. I talked about how do you make the connection meaningful? Yeah. And I actually give a good, better, best way to make the connection meaningful. And I want to elaborate on this just a little bit, right? Yep. People get mad when they receive connection requests that don't have a message. Yep. And that floors me. That floors me as a as a as a recovering introvert, if you will. 
right? To know that they're the, to know that you're so open to say if you can't get over your own introvertedness to put a message in a connect, I want nothing to do with you. Could you imagine if I if you or I said that to our audience? Could you or I imagine that said that I don't want you connecting with me unless you send me a personalized message? I think I can understand why it helps. I, I, I understand why it I, helps. I I am I I I I don't agree with that you should never accept a connection if if it hasn't got a message, but it it does mean a lot more when someone does write a message. So if you want to get past my gatekeepers or get to me you're going to get, I will connect, the, the chances of me connecting with you is going to be that much higher if you wrote something in your connect in, in your message. Which is why in my video, I did a good, better, best. Yeah. And I talked about, listen, the best form of a meaningful connection is a personalized message. And I go yeah. through in my video and I show how do you just, it's very brief. It's not yeah. very in-depth, but it's like, how do you look at a profile? How do you figure out what you can do to say to make that connection meaningful? That is truly the best version of that meaningful connection. I go through a good version of a meaningful connection, but I also say, you know what? It's not ideal, but if you're new to LinkedIn, if you're new to breaking out of your shell, if you're new to breaking out of your comfort zone, if you're trying, good is okay. Don't let anybody in this industry tell you that good is not okay because everybody's at a different point in that social breakout. You know, it's easy when you look back and you have experience. It looks obvious, but when you're starting, stuff's not obvious. Yeah. So that's why, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts, Neil. And I mean, it's amazing. It's been a year and you've already changed some opinions and you've learned things along the way. I mean, life is about learning. You, you never yeah. stop learning and, and the industry changes all the time. So it's, it's great to get your, your input. What about creating content if you're brand new? Would you recommend that or not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, in now, now, I didn't include this, right, as something to do because this is different for everybody. Um, I, I consider this to be like, if we go back to Neil's like good, better, best, right? I think you can be good enough not producing content. Actually, there's a ton of people out there that are good enough not producing content. Um, I do think that content creation is a differentiator. And yeah. I think that that content creation differentiator means more at different areas of your career progression and different career fields like grc you're probably not going to get the mileage out of content creation out of producing grc content now that's not to say don't produce grc content but you're probably not going to see the same mileage as somebody who aspires to be a red teamer and you're producing red team content right you may see a, a mileage may vary if you're entry level versus if you're on your way to being a CISO. um i can tell you that i've you know most of the the CISO you know interviews and things like that that i've done they could care you know, two craps left about my, my content, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so mileage may vary, but that's why I think it is a differentiator. And so, yes, if you're in the pen testing space, if you're in the blue teaming space, if you're in um, the, the GRC space to an extent, if you're, in, if you're in any of the technical roles, I think that a good differentiator for you is to produce content. Now, when we talk about producing content, it is it can be YouTube videos. It doesn't have to be. It can be writing articles, doesn't have to be. It can be blog posts, doesn't have to be. Produce what you're comfortable with from a content perspective. Don't find a medium that's popular. I think this is one of the misconceptions about content creations. I'm gonna do TikTok, man, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, the TikTok thing's been interesting um, over the last yeah, year. <laughs> yeah, TikTok's like the, um, has overtaken you, uh, Google now. That's it has, a, it really has. That, that's interesting, and I, I think, I've seen TikTok videos that are that doing amazingly well. Yeah. Uh, whether that leads to connections, 
is dependent, I, th- I think. Yeah. I've seen some people do really well there and some not. Yeah. Um, but anyway, go on. I interrupted you. No, 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 no. And, and yeah, but I think the point is, is like, I think I would start content creation, not necessarily based on which platform was popular, but based on which content delivery me- mechanism brought the most value out of me as a person and allowed me to be consistent. I'll give you an example, right? When you and I produce content, right, for YouTube, you know, streaming, whatever it is, it is a lot of time that we have to put in to produce content, right? But it might be easy for us to turn around and say, well, it'd actually only take me 10 minutes to just brain dump an article out onto LinkedIn and write an article about Log4j or something like that, right? So you should find an outlet that that allows you to be consistent and gets that creativity out on you um and gets it out there for the world to consume yeah, it's interesting i mean for me it's like video is so much easier i find writing yeah. hard um because i find that people are a lot more forgiving on me speaking incorrectly versus writing incorrectly um people sometimes are really h- hard on like simple grammar mistakes so for me personally video is is a, is a preferred um, medium and i think that's the thing you've got to find what works for yourself some yeah. people write better some people speak better um, just do what you, what you can. Neil, any like last thoughts? Uh, we can go on for hours, but I want to like open it for you um, in the last, next few minutes. You know, give us your your best advice. No, I think um, I, I think your best advice is if you're listening to this video, you're, you're starting in the right place, right? Consume content, right? I'll be here. David will be here. There's tons of content creators out there. They're all awesome. I hold yeah. no ill regards for any content creator that's out there. I don't care whether you know, whether it's it's somebody who's just jumping into cyber for the first time or somebody has been into cyber for 10 or 20 years, I think we're all bringing something valuable. I think we're all trying to do the right thing. Um, I don't think that there's a, you know, a, a need to stress about, well, is this content better than this content? Is this better than that content? I think you should go out there and you should consume all the content. I do. I think that like there's, as somebody who wants to have all the knowledge of things that are out there, go consume it. You'll decide, you'll quickly know for yourself whether it's good content or bad content, you'll know whether that content creator resonates with you. You'll know whether that learning mechanism resonates with you. Maybe you prefer more cognitive-based learning versus hands-on-based learning. Um, maybe you prefer you know, being lectured all day long. Who knows, right? You have to figure that out for yourself. Nobody else out there can tell you what's right or wrong. And that's why I tell people to go consume as much as they can. So Neil, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for like sharing your knowledge again. I, I really appreciate it. You put, you know, you put yourself out there by sharing this stuff and you don't have to. So really thank you, you know, for sharing your knowledge and experience with all of us. Thank you as always, David. I appreciate it. So just for everyone, once again, I've put Neil's uh, YouTube links and other links below. Please make sure that you go and subscribe and go look at his stuff. There is so much free content out there, so make the most of it. Neil, cheers. Cheers.